Welcome to this episode of the Are You Listening podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Gio, what's good? How has the last couple of days been on your side? What's up, brother? Everything's been good. Uh, Super, Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm really excited for that. But I mean, everything's been solid on my end. What about you, bro? Super Bowl Sunday it is. Uh, go birds, fly, eagles, fly. Really exciting times. Um, grew up struggling as a, a Philadelphia sports fan in an Allen Iverson era. Donovan McNabb, Terrell Owens, man. So a couple of years ago, we got our first Super Bowl chip. And it's really nice to have the birds back in the big game on this fine Sunday as well. So really excited, hoping that they can pull it out against a tough Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes-led team. It's going to be a battle of the ages, but I'm confident that the birds are going to be, be able to pull through. You got a horse in the race? Nah, man. I mean, you know, I don't really watch football like that, but we hosting. <laughs> we hosting today, me and uh, Big Luke Nathan. You stay hosting, bro. Party, I see you really so. doing your thing, bro. Yeah, I really man. love to see that. Yeah, we we hosting the party, so we're going to have a couple people over. Should be a good time, but I'm going to just kind of just, it's more a social event for me. I'm not really too worried mm-hmm. about the game, to be honest. For sure, man. Um, how has it been building out, um, you know, each of these bespoke events? And, you know, what have you learned from the first event that you've done compared to, you know, where you guys now are? I mean, man, the events have been great. I mean, we, so first, we're not doing like, I'm not doing like an event for the Super Bowl. Oh, it's word, just word, like, word. we're just hosting at the crib. <laughs> oh, word, but, word. Uh, but um, <laughs> nah, yeah, I'm not doing no Super Bowl event. I would have no idea. I don't know. I don't know nothing about football, man. That'd be tough. But, um, you know, for the events for Nightside, that's been great, bro. I mean, just getting a chance to see all the Rutgers fans and having everybody come through. And, you know, I, I helped, I, I basically hired a team to help me as well. So they've, taking a lot of the weight off my shoulders, which honestly was probably the biggest thing I learned was you can't really do all this by yourself. You need some help. So that that's probably the biggest thing. Yo, mom, I can't hear you, bro. You can hear me? Nah. Take my mic. Oh, you're on mute. Try again. Uh, you, you just muted it. Now Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> sure. I don't know what's going on. I was like, damn, my shit Did you hear anything that I said when we opened up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, cool. We'll just so start right from the welcome. All right, cool. Um, all right. Welcome to this week's episode of the Are You Listening podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Geo, what is good on your side? What's up, brother? Everything's good. Getting ready for this Super Bowl watch party, uh, hosting it at the crib. So going to be a good Super Bowl Sunday, hopefully. And, you know, overall, the weekend's, you know, been pretty good. I, I, was, I went to uh, New York yesterday for my friend's birthday had a little birthday brunch my first ever brunch so that was pretty cool i've never done that before how's everything with you bro <laughs> brunch Growing is up, a slippery real, slope man. it's a Growing slippery up, slope bro you better it watch was, it it was it was a little slippery <laughs> slope we, we did good though i think especially me for for being my first one then didn't, didn't go too over the top so it was, it was now nah, that's dope it's a good time collected of getting folks in the in, in the room and enjoying and, and celebrating man love a good brunch um but yeah a couple last couple of days last week Busy working um, here in the city for my, my main job and then traveling around with the team for a couple of road games. Um, went to Indiana um, and then um, also just got back from Illinois uh, last night. But excited for Super Bowl Sunday. Big Birds fan. Hoping that they can pull out the second Super Bowl victory for Philadelphia in the last couple of years, which will be monumental. Um, but some you know ebbs and flows with the Rutgers basketball season, obviously, February is wartime, man, and, you know, it's easy to look ahead. You know, you, you, you're you at that point where you start to get a, l- a little bit fatigued um, and, you, you know, you got to take care of business and, and it's no tougher conference. I know I, I don't have to be Captain Obvious here um, where you're con- con- comparing going into a, a Assembly Hall and then going into State Farm Center on the road against two of the toughest teams historically to play against for RU. So excited to get into that from – your perspective as well. So um, 
anything anything else top of mind you know are you related before we we, we switch over no nah, i mean i know we're gonna dive into the games scout report and then also you know maybe a little bit of recruiting as well but overall i think these guys are still in a great position right we just gotta continue to stay the course it's it's a long season they just played two tough teams on the road two teams that are playing their best basketball right now too in indiana and illinois so never gonna be easy but making sure they're not too high too low all right man let's get into the x's and o's of things are you coming off of two really tough and exciting games um this week first against indiana uh are you traveled out to Bloomington to compete against the Hoosiers at Assembly Hall and ended up losing 66 to zero. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, who was predicted to be preseason Big Ten player of the year, slow start for the Hoosiers all in all, but it's a long season and I think that they've approached it with the right type of mentality to push through and have that next game mentality. And this was a big one that they had circled on the books. Trace Jackson Davis has never beaten RU up until this point. He mentioned how in that first matchup this past um, December that RU punked Indiana and it came down to toughness. Um, and he, he came ready to, to, to he play. Um, he, he showed it for sure, man. What did you see from your perspective? I mean, man, he had 20 and 18. That's, that's, uh, that, that's showing it for sure. I think he showed his toughness. I think, you know, they did, they did a good job collectively. You know, they, they really didn't have many guys scoring. It was really Trace and Miller Cop, and then everyone else kind of chipped in. I thought they did a good job again to the free throw line. And, you know, that's tough for RU. You can't really guard the foul line. And, and Rutgers' offense has been struggling a little bit as of late, right? Only scoring 60 points in the last two games. So that's always tough. But I like that, that RU didn't quit, right? They didn't, mm-hmm. You know, there was – it was a close game throughout, and they continued to show fight. And I thought guys stepped up. Oscar hit three threes. You know, different guys – you know, tried to fill that role of of Mawa Mag, who is uh, you know, it's a tough tough piece to to replace. So I thought that overall the guys are doing a good job. Obviously, you know, like I said earlier, winning on the road is super hard. Indiana right now is playing great basketball. Illinois is doing the same thing. So you know, tough tough game on the road for the team, but overall happy with the fact that they're continuing to fight. For sure, I was uh, able to sit in on prep. Um, and, and get the perspective of how the team was uh, approaching this from a, a mentality standpoint. And, you know, it's, it's getting battle ready um, yeah. and, and getting ready for war on the road. Uh, and you know that it's tough to beat any team once. It's even tougher to beat them twice in a year. So you're going to get your best, uh, you know, the, the best type of approach from this Indiana group that wants to, to get their lick back and, and come back and, yeah. and, and, and get a dub. They're sick and tired of losing uh, to RU. So, uh, obviously, the game started around focusing in on the paint and, and, and trying to limit Trace Jackson Davis's uh, effectiveness on catches. Um, and one thing I noticed um, as a as a former big, that dude is a savant in, in playing against the leverage of uh, opposing big guys. And Cliff obviously had that matchup. And every time he caught the basketball, he didn't even give the defense the opportunity to come over and double. His moves yeah. were so quick and decisive. Um and they were trying to go on different cadences, go on that first dribble, you know, go in situations automatically on the catch. And what he would do was just quick spin or, or face up and, and go with his moves and either draw a foul or he was converting. Um, so it was really impressive to see him utilize that athleticism, um, utilize that decisive nature. And I think that he's he's starting to really click at the right point in the season um, for Indiana. And then yeah. in the first matchup at Jersey Mike's Arena, Xavier Johnson was in the scouting report. He's been out now for a, a few consecutive weeks. Now you have Jalen hood Shafino, who didn't play in that first matchup, um, coming into this game. And he's a different type of player to match up against. And I've seen you tweeting about him a lot, and then we'll get into uh, Miller Cop in a second. But what do you like from Jalen hood Shafino? I just like his overall approach to the game. I think he's a he's a baller. Like I like I like dudes who who know how to get their own, know how to get a bucket. Mm-hmm. Right, like the playmaking, playmaking style type of guard, and I always thought that's what Indiana was missing for a while. And the crazy part, he really didn't play that great in the game. Um, but even just like the and one that he had, you know, he's going around the back, goes up and under on the hoop. Like that's that swagger, that confidence that Indiana just didn't really have before, in my opinion. And the fact he was able to to make plays like that it gets the crowd into it, it gets your team into it. And then 
thinking about it like as a as a strategist, it's if you're on defense, you're always thinking about this guy as a threat, as a scorer. So it automatically takes a, attention away from a guy like Miller Cop, Tamir Bates, Galloway, where now, you know, maybe they're, they're getting some more open shots because you're just thinking more about Hood Shafino than some of these other guys. And I think we saw that. I mean, Miller Cop was knocking down open three after open three. And part of that is, you know, you just have another scoring threat where, you know, it just automatically takes attention from the defense. For sure. And, and they did a good job of attacking. Um, and that showed in the overall free throw battle. Um uh, Indiana shot 17 free throws. RU shot a, a total of uh, six free throws in in the game, um, and that's that's not ever going to bode well if you're not able to you know at least get some freebies uh, to to help you on nights where you're not clicking offensively. Um, yeah, man. And that and that is what it is sometimes. And then Miller Cop, uh, I feel like he he really <laughs> enjoys and thrives matching up against RU. Had a season high um, in the first matchup. 21 points and then in this game he he really got into his groove early on to 18 points in total yeah i mean he's he's a tough cover man and especially when you got like i said you got a guy like hudgefino you got a guy like trace the attention's not on miller cop but you know it is what it is he's he's gonna get the the third best defender the third best guard defender on Rutgers, which is probably the worst defender mm-hmm. at that point you know what i mean so he's gonna get open shots and 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 he has the ability to knock those down. You have to remember when he was at Northwestern, he was the first option. Like he was mm-hmm. the best player on that team. So he's a guy who's been in the moment. He's a veteran player, and you know he's going to take advantage of that every time. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. And you, you're not going to win them all, and you got to take what you can from that type of game, um, and then pivot very quickly and yeah. start to prepare for an even tougher opponent, in my opinion. And it's not the actual team and the personnel. I think it's one of the toughest venues to walk into at State Farm Center um, when you go out to play against Coach Underwood. um, You go out to play against this team that has been dealing with their own adversity. They got a lot of transfer infusion, um, but they're built, I think, to go to distance um, when they're hitting at the right, the right, the right spots. Um, Talk about before we get into the game some of your instances of playing at. Illinois. Any crazy yeah, stories? I'll tell you one real quick from my perspective. I sit right on the sideline next to the bench and yeah. our SID, Chris Corso, sits right behind us. Yeah. Last year was my first time ever going to Illinois. And this guy, Chris leaves his laptop open. <laughs> he leaves his laptop open in front of the student section. They go into his laptop and start tweeting stuff from the official Rutgers basketball what? Twitter account. It no was wild. Way. It was wild. These these fans are absolutely nuts. These I fans are absolutely that nuts. That's crazy. What were they tweeting? They weren't tweeting anything too crazy. It's just the fact that these dudes yeah. like they they felt the like the yeah. like they had the access and they wanted to take advantage. They they go they go nuts. They have the the, the paper uh, the newspapers up when they're announcing the opposing team and they're talking about Paul. You suck. And yeah. All nah, these I was, players, I was just you gonna suck. ask you because I could tell just by watching from TV like. Illinois to me is the one of the harder environments just because the students are right on top of you. Like there's obviously loud environments. Purdue's, you know, obviously one that comes to mind. Assembly Hall is one that comes to mind. But Illinois is one of those places where you can hear every single thing a student is yelling at you because they're literally right next to you on the bench. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a I don't think I have like a specific story, but you know, just I this is the thing I remember is just listening to the students just like yelling at Pike. Like you said, yelling at Paul, like different things. Like they kind of pick out dudes that they like, like, oh, we're going to pick on you today. Like that's just, that's just like their, their mindset. And then the whole student section is all going at one person. But you mm-hmm. can hear them, you can hear them going at Paul a lot in, in that game for sure. Yeah, they, um, they, they came prepared and um, they were excited. Uh, the, the, it's an early, early tip and the arena was filled right from the jump. Um, and Illinois has a good team. And RU came out, and it was a, a tale of two different halves. Um, RU came out and built a, a pretty impressive lead in the first half, was able to score it. Cliff Amore really got them into the flow of the game, established himself on the block. Um, I really liked his matchup with Dane Danger, who's a really good player. My first time seeing him live. Yeah. Um, you got uh, Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy, who were really good. Uh, scoring in different ways. And Caleb, I think, was showing, you know, his bag of tricks in the first half. And Paul was getting downhill. 
um, Stephen Bardo had the game for Big Ten Network, and I had a chance to chop it up with him um, at halftime. And he was like, we both agreed that Underwood was being so sound to his defensive principles and not helping from the gap, which was allowing RU essentially to drive the entirety of the way to the rack um, with limited shot blockers coming over from a help perspective or just help defense all in all. And then, um, you know, this is a Illinois group that really likes to get up a ton of three-point shots. And Matthew Meyer um, wasn't hitting in the first half. I think they averaged something around 25 three-pointers a game. Um, so when you're not able to score, you're not able to get anything going from three, Dane Danger was really the only threat that they had in that first half. It was interesting to see if they were going to stick to it in the second half and then things flipped. Um, what did you think about RU's effort in the first half? And then we'll get into, at least from my perspective, what I think changed at halftime. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just hit the nail right on the head. I thought they were doing a great job. They were being aggressive. They always looked best when Paul is getting downhill. Mm-hmm. Like we saw in the Michigan State game. Right, we saw him in the first half of the Illinois game, and when he's getting downhill, good things just happen because either he's going to score or he has the IQ to find other guys that are going to get open shots, or maybe they make that extra pass and the ball movement just becomes more crisp. But when he's being kept out of that paint, that's when stuff really gets tough, especially in the half court offense for Rutgers. Yeah, defensive also was really impressive, and Caleb had five steals in the game, and that's obviously not, um, you know news to Rutgers fans, but it's crazy. Um, one thing that I was thinking about was like, yo, this, this season is becoming, you know, smaller and smaller by each game. And this is, you know, the the last few opportunities that you have to see, in my opinion, what is a defensive savant. This guy gets out and he's very disruptive in passing lanes. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a shutdown corner, essentially. Yeah. Um, We're not going to see another guy like, like Caleb for a while. I don't think. No, no, he's I think he he really has the, you know, the right to be in that national defensive player of the year conversation when it's all said and done this season. Yeah, 100 percent. I definitely agree. Um, And then Cliff, uh, another big night. Um, He has a 105 career blocks moving past JRMN to become top 10 all time. Um, But that's the good of what RU did. I think in the second half, they just stopped scoring Um, and and it was really difficult (laughs) for them to get the buckets that were dropping in that first half. And then um, the, the aggressiveness of Illinois. Um, Dane Danger continued to be aggressive. Uh, Matthew Meyer and, um, and you, you know, you had uh, uh, Trace uh, Hawkins, uh, my bad, Coleman Hawkins, who I think really want, who really helped them to stay afloat. And his activity and his, his length and his height, um, and he just scores in so many different ways, man. He's a difficult guy. I think uh, for, for to game plan on because I know that you got to stop him early, and if you don't, his confidence just builds. I mean, the thing is too with Coleman, it's just Rutgers doesn't really have a guy that's like him at all. I mean, we're talking about a dude who's you know a legit six ten, who's got legit guard skills, you know, legit guard IQ in terms of passing the basketball. He's very active. He plays hard as hell, and uh, you know you don't really have a guy who matches up well with him, right? If you put Dre on him, he's a lot taller than Dre. Put Cliff on him, he's a lot quicker than Cliff. You mm-hmm. know, so it's it's a it's a weird situation where he's kind of that tweener where it's kind of hard uh just to match up with him overall. But man, they Illinois played they you know they played great in that second half and obviously the the ten minute scoring drought for Rutgers super tough. Like you're not gonna win a game on the road with a ten minute scoring drought. And the fact is, you know, they still kept it close. You know, they it's not like the game uh, got extremely out of their hands, but that that drought hurts a lot, and and I think a, a big part of it too is just like their half court offense lately has just been very stagnant. It's slow. Guys aren't cutting full speed, and I know Pike is telling all them this too. Like this isn't going to be news to anybody. Like Pike is going to make sure that everybody knows this is how you used to cut, and this is how you're cutting now. This is how the ball used to be moving, and this is how it's sticking now. He's going to give them examples of a great game, and then he's going to show them how it looked in the Illinois game, and guys gonna open their eyes and be like damn yeah we got to get back to it and that's and you know that's just the reality of this but you know like I'm always gonna say is you know you can't be too high too low like the the game is what it is you guys you know didn't play great Cam Spencer only had two points on five shots Mm -hmm. you know he you're still a great shooter but things need to start you know speeding up guys need to start cutting a little bit faster moving the ball a little bit more because right now he's taking super hard shots like it's Mm -hmm. not like the guy's taking way harder shots than he was the beginning of the year and that's the way the game goes guys are gonna adjust teams are going to adjust 
and now they're guarding you a certain way, you need to be able to bounce back from it and and figure out a way to still get open and, and help your team. To that point about Cam Spencer, obviously um, it's easy to look at the stats of somebody that's not playing well offensively and start to think about what they are doing correctly or incorrectly. Um, but one thing that I noticed watching the game was they were throwing a lot of length his way yeah. um, that is really difficult. Um, and, and Coach Pike will talk about this in his post-game interview. Um, they're game planning for Rutgers, just like Rutgers is game planning for opposing teams as well. And Cam Spencer, yeah. they know if he gets going, that this is a tough team to guard all in all. So you're going to get Terrence Shannon Jr. You're going to get um, Hawkins, you know, matched up on him. They were throwing multiple bodies at him, and that's also adding to the level level of difficulty and the shot attempts that he's trying to get off and, and why I think he was marginalized in that last game. So good coaches come up with ways, I think, to avert that with movement and, and, and other opportunities to get, you know, good players open shots. But, yep. you know, credit to the defense as well and, and helping to limit Cam because once he starts to get into the flow early in the contest, you know, it's pretty much curtains for opposing teams when they're going up against Arya. Yeah, and even for Cam, too, like another way to adjust is, you know, you're moving full speed. Take Terrence Shannon Jr. with you, right? And then now it's just, it's all false action. You get Paul going downhill, but it's like you still got to go full speed, get that defense's attention. So now another guy, maybe you get a bucket. And like that's the stuff that they need to start getting into where it's like everyone is just selfless in that way where it's like, okay, I, I know I'm not scoring this play, but I'm still going to go full speed so that our team gets a bucket. And I'm not saying that Cam isn't already thinking like that, but this is just the overall mindset that, you know, Rutgers really needs to start thinking about because in the half court right now, it's, like I said, it's slow, it's stagnant. There's a lot of dribble and the ball sticking. And that's not how it looked at the beginning of the year. I mean, we we saw how well they were moving the basketball, mm-hmm. right? And, and it led to great shooting because guys were wide open. Like dudes were just moving the ball. That's just how it went. And right now they're not open and we're seeing some, some hard shots, some, some tough misses and, you know, and, and that's always going to be tough. And, and then even in transition, like, you know, I think Dean missed a layup. Caleb yeah. missed a layup. I saw when, you, when your half-court offense is going the way it's going, you got to make those too. You got to. So, you got to take advantage. You know, There's so. no self-inflicted wounds. Yep. And and obviously this is only one game. So, you know, they, they lost on the road against a, an Illinois team that's going to be ranked tomorrow. You know, that's – that's it's not, a, it's not a big deal. You need to bounce back. I think they're favored in the rest of their games coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just make sure to handle business and continue to try to figure out ways to adjust without Mawat, uh, which is it's going to be a challenge. Like, I'm sure they're still trying to figure it out now. It's not going to happen overnight. But guys yeah. need to continue to have that mindset of, you know, we're we're still a great basketball team. We're still an NCAA tournament team. What do we have to do to finish the season strong? For sure. And and, and just to kind of highlight it, are you started the game with an 11-6 run? And just to add some stats to what you're saying, the fight in the line, I finished the game on a 19-0 run. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is at that point. Yeah. And Rutgers held Illinois six points below their season average at 69 in total. And, you know, they've done that to 23 out of 25 opponents this year. Um, but the craziest statistic, and I would love to ask a follow-up question to this point, um, RU has yet to win a Big Ten game this season when allowing the opposing team um, more than 65 points. Is that a stat that you think players – I mean, I know the answer to this. That's not a stat that players essentially are thinking about throughout the course of a game. But I see a lot of people talking about this on Twitter, about how yeah. RU needs to have this top of mind when they're in huddles. It's the last thing that players are thinking about when they're actually in battle. Um, so how do you think that coaches are trying to to make sure that they are monitoring where opposing teams are throughout the course of a game without being as blatant and as obvious as, you know, this team is over 65 points now, so right. we're not going to win this contest. Right. I mean, I think it's a it's a good, like, starting block for Coach mm-hmm. Peichel to mention, and he's definitely done it before. You know, if you hold him under 65, we're going to win the game. And, you know, he's, he used to say that to us all the time whenever the first thought that comes to mind is Iowa. Like anytime if we knew that if we held Iowa under their scoring average, like we were going to win the game because, you know, that's just who they were. They were a great offensive team. Um, as a player, you know, I would never, you're right. I would never look at the scoreboard and be like, damn, like they're about to hit, they're about to hit 65. Like it's over. You know, you never really think like that, but it's a good, it's a good starting block because then it just gets you thinking about defense, which is mm-hmm. obviously super important. You know, you need to start thinking about the scouting report. How do we limit this guy to touches and how do we limit, you know, this guy from scoring a certain amount? And you start to think like that because of this 
the stat that you just mentioned. And I think that's good for Rutgers in this case, too, is because at the end of the day, their identity is a defensive team. Like, that is yeah. that is your identity. So now you have the stats to back it up, too. So it's like, oh, Cam, Caleb, Paul, whoever, Cliff, you, you shouldn't be upset right now that, you know, you had a bad offensive game. This is what we need you to do. We need you to play defense, right? So then it kind of starts building that mindset of, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm shooting terrible right now. What else can I do to help the team win on the defensive end since – Going back to that stat, whenever a team scores over 65 points, we lose the game. So now we know, like, okay, no, I just got to lock in on defense. I'm not thinking about the missed shot. I'm not thinking about that, you know, maybe that turnover. Obviously, I want to try to fix it, but it's not weighing heavy on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot to think about during the course of a game. And first and foremost, you're thinking about your individual matchups. You're not trying to go out there and get cooked. Right. You're trying to go out there and make sure that you're focused in on taking advantage of opportunities, not missing and smoking layups and things of that nature. There's just so many different defenses, so many different offenses. Um, I think they really, you know, people brush under the rug, you know, how cerebral as a as a as a person, as an athlete, you have to be to compete at this level yeah. of, of high division one college basketball. Rutgers currently number ten in, in, in Big Ten play and, and number 132 nationally in offensive efficiency. So let's pause there. What do you think are you for the duration of this year has to focus in on? Um, to click on all cylinders and make sure that offense doesn't become a deficiency um, and, and is, is the reason that they're losing games. You know, what are some changes, some tweaks that they can focus on? And then secondly, before we conclude this point, um, is there anything about these last two games where you think it's really evident that this team is m- missing Mawat Mag? I mean, I think I think they, they win both with them. That's, that's pretty... <laughs> That's pretty impactful right there, uh, you know, th- in terms of his defensive intensity, the way he fit into the offense. He's not a guy who's going to over dribble. He's not a guy who's going to try to go outside of, of his strengths. And now you replace him with, you know, Andre and Oscar, you know, two guys who aren't used to being in that position of, of starting or, or playing more minutes in Oscar's case. Uh, two guys that are probably trying to get their feel in a different position, right? Dre's now in the starting lineup. It's okay. When Dre was coming off the bench, it's like, Dre, you know, you're the, you're the scorer coming off the bench. Whereas now in the starting lineup, it, it's it's a little bit different dynamic. Oscar, same thing. Not used to playing in that position, so it's a little bit different dynamic. So mm-hmm. I think overall, you just see it. It's not, maybe it's not like, oh, this rebound here or that play there, but the team changes and that that's just the reality of it. And it's, and it's not going to, be fixed overnight. Like these guys are gonna have to figure out these new roles, and it, it takes time to do that. It, it it's not crazy. Happen in two just games. just to put that point right there, that now this team has had great success. If this season ended on you know February 11th or February 10th, I think that everybody would conclude that RU has done phenomenal things despite yeah. some losses. Right. But the fact of the matter is that there's still a lot of basketball yet to be played. Yep. Yet this is a team that's going to have to reinvent itself. Yeah. Offensively. You, you have to. Defensively. You, yeah. you got to have, I think, Andre Hyatt step into a, a situation where, um, you know, you got Caleb shifting probably to the top of a lot of these defensive pressure sets um, and, and trying to harass and, and, and guard players where Moat Mag was playing or right. whoever it is. You know, you have players that haven't played at all in Oscar Palmquist now being infused into the rotation and, and being expected to score. Jalen Miller now being expected to come in and add some defensive relief um, as well. Um, You don't want to mess up that juju of Andre Hyde. He's been very prolific coming off of the bench scoring at a high rate, and now he's going to have to play additional minutes. He's going to have to rebound better and more. Um, He's going to have more expectations from that regard and also more expectations from a defensive standpoint. So it like ask for individual guys who've already been settled into what they need to do to help this team win to go above and beyond, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's a lot when you like break it all down. You know, it really is. And, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, I hit on it earlier, but moving the ball more, taking one less dribble, you know, getting out in transition, like your defense, your best offense to start. And then if you have nothing, what are you doing in that half court? Are guys setting good screens? Like there's a, there's a couple of times where dudes are coming off down screens and nobody's getting hit. Like someone's got to be physical and be like, I'm going to set a good screen right now to get my teammate open because then it helps you get open after that. That's what creates the mismatches. That's what creates the miscommunication. And it's easy in February to 
be tired. Like it's it's easy to, to be like, oh man, I, th- I think I'm just gonna miss that screen this time, or I'm just gonna jog. I'm still gonna get the ball because you know the defender, you know he's tired too. But it's like, you know, at a certain point, you gotta have that urgency, and you need someone reminding you like we need to go full speed. And sometimes all it takes is is two losses on the road to kind of yeah. like to to wake you back up. And, and and that's happened to me plenty of times too. There's been times like, damn, I'm tired. Like it is February, and you know, I I think I think we'll be all right if I you know move at this speed instead of instead of full speed and the reality is it's not true that's what leads to those those little losing streaks and especially in the big 10 i mean top to bottom every team is competing every single night so if you're not if you're not going full speed if you're not bringing it offense is gonna is gonna lack it's, it's just the the truth and like i said i think coach pike is gonna do a great job of of showing them the clips of when they're not going full speed showing them the clips of when they're not setting a screen of when they're not moving the ball, of when they're taking those extra dribbles when they don't need to, because I've seen them do it to me, to Ron, to Paul, to Kale. I've seen them do it already for, for five years. So I already know how it's going to go in that locker room. Yeah, man. <clears throat> and uh, to, to conclude, uh, this, everybody relax, man, because I, I just see people yeah. bugging out on right. Twitter. No, Twitter's crazy acting, right now. You know, acting like the season is over yeah. and – you're going to lose games, and you're going to lose two consecutive games. And this is Indiana and Illinois that you're talking about. So Great basketball teams. Great basketball teams, great coaches, great players at the end of the day. And, and you got some really winnable games on the horizon. Um, and, and, and Ken Palm has RU projected to win your next six games. Obviously, those are all chatter. That's noise, and those are stats yeah. and analytics that people can sink their teeth into. But – you know, more often than not, those those stats actually come to fruition. So yep. um, you mix in Steve Peichel and his ability to get his teams prepared. The fact that they hate to lose, bro. And yep. you know that. Yeah, um, exactly. This is going to be, I think, uh, the perfect re- revitalizer at the right point in the season for this team. Um, yeah. All man. right, man. Uh, anything else that you had on that? No, nah, I was just, just going to agree with you. Everybody needs to, you know, just – Take a little bit, take you know, relax a little <laughs> bit, man. You know, Rutgers is still in a great position, still firmly in the NCAA tournament right now. There's, For sure. you know, these guys, these guys are going to be fine, and and um, you know, we don't need uh, we don't need all the Twitter chatter. We're talking about all oh, this always like they've been doing this all year. Like no, they did it this past game, and, right. and that's it. And, and you know, Rutgers is where they're at in the Big Ten because they've been playing great basketball all year, and, and these guys are fine. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. Relax. We will be all right. All right. Uh, switch it over uh, to, I'd say, uh, the scouting report segment here. We're going to look ahead now uh, after a couple of losses. Winnable games on the horizon. Um, yep. You got Nebraska, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. tip, Jersey Mike's Arena, um, home cooking. Uh, and then Nebraska, uh, for people who haven't had the chance, to follow them, they're twelve and fourteen on the year, five and ten in conference play. Last two games coming off of a loss uh, at Michigan, and then a win um, on yesterday um, versus Wisconsin, seventy three sixty three overtime thriller. And I don't know, man, I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but I'm hearing a lot of talk about the Nebraska Steph Curry. And a kid that's been going ballistic yeah. all year, shooting right as, as soon as he crosses half court, man. You had a chance to to check in um, on Nebraska at all? I didn't. I didn't see that game, uh, but obviously I played against my guy Tomanaga last year. Uh, <laughs> he's a competitor, man. He talks some trash too. Like he doesn't care. Does he you know, really? He's gonna, he's gonna let you know, you know. And and um, I think he's given them like a little bit more fight, a little bit more swagger, where like they didn't really have that before. And you know, between him. Walker, I know they got Wiltshire over there too. Like they got some guys who have returned back. And I think that was their biggest problem before was they just continuously would get a transfer and the next year he was gone too. <laughs> like and then mm-hmm. they would just repeat it. They get a transfer and the next year he was gone too. And, you know, this year they've you know, they got some guys who are returning, you know, so that that builds leadership, that builds more culture. You got guys who know your scheme, know what you're trying to do, know what it takes to win in the Big Ten. It's always hard to transfer in to the Big Ten and you, you have no idea what to expect, how the basketball is played. Because it is it is a little bit different than most of the other country. And, you know, and it is hard arenas to play at. And there there are just certain things that you just don't understand. Even just little things like knowing the referees. Like, 
by year four, year three, year four for me, it's so important. Year three, year four for me, knowing the referees helped me get more calls. It helped me be able to communicate and, and, you know, certain things like that, that just not everyone thinks about. So I think they, they, they are starting to get that and they're just better this year too. I mean, I think they're five and 10 right now. They're, Mm -hmm. they're not the like one in, in 16 Nebraska basketball that they, they used to be, you know, so it's and in this conference, game. five you know, five and ten is a good place to be. It's not how awful. Much par- it's not how awful. much parity is in that middle section, and how man. like each game counts leading up until Big Ten conference yeah. tournament play. Yeah, man, it's not it's not awful, and and they're going to compete. Like, and they want to win. And the reality is that you know, are they going to make the NCAA tournament? No, they're not. Mm-hmm. But that's dangerous too, because now it's like, shit, let's go ruin Rutgers season. Like that's that's the mindset. <laughs> Seriously, like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to go to the tournament, but. They're trying to like let's go ruin their season like and that's uh-huh. just the mindset and it makes you play more free and and you're gonna see Tominaga he's gonna play real free for sure against them. Yeah, I love Derek Walker's game too. You talk about yeah. a guard, you talk about Tominaga who um, has unlimited range and unlimited confidence, which is a really dangerous uh, you know combination of a guy who has the ultimate green light now and he's becoming known for that. So that only yeah. plays into it even more. Yeah. I would love to see a guy like that make it to the tournament because I feel like those guys become legendary um, when they have that, you know, spotlight, you know, people don't really see them throughout the year as much, or they don't tune into them as much throughout right. the year. And then they became, they become household names, with you know, their confidence and their array of shooting ability. Um, but Nebraska is one in seven on the road in the big 10. And that is what it is. But, you know, Derek Walker, Tominaka, good, you know, inside-out type of combination. I like the professional way that Walker approaches the game. He's very efficient yeah. in his post moves. Um, he finishes everything around the basket, high clip. Um, and, you know, he has that worksman mentality on and off the court. I love that story about him starting his own trucking business, you know, with his NIL, um, you know, Did money. He, I got yeah. to look into that. Yeah, man. Um, he, he They were talking about that during a recent broadcast where he's already purchased, you know, uh, you know, a tractor trailer or, you know, he's taken, you know, all the money that he's been able to make throughout his career at, at Nebraska. And he's starting to really focus on, you know, what that next step after basketball will look like. So um, we'd love to that's see dope. that story progress, too. That's dope, man. I, I didn't know that. That's, hey, man, kudos to him. And he's a great basketball player, too. You know, he's, yeah, he's you giving competed us fits. Against them a he's bunch. giving us fits, and, <laughs> you know, in the, in the games against them for sure. And again, like and I, and we've said it before on this pod, but he's the type of big that Sometimes Cliff struggles with a little bit, you know, they're mm-hmm. not the most athletic, they're not the tallest, you know, but, but they're smart basketball players. And, you mm-hmm. know, that those, those guys are always hard to guard in the post, not just angles. for Cliff, but for angles. any big man. Yeah. The angles. Exactly. So you don't got to jump out the building to be effective as yep. a big or as a, any player, to be honest, but you know, he, he really works on his craft. You can tell he can finish in a, an array of different ways. And then it's all about positioning. So he does right. that very well. What do you think will be the outcome Tuesday night? Are you versus Nebraska? I think I think we see a, a Rutgers defensive lockdown. I do. I think them being back at home is going to feel really good in terms of the shots. You know, getting some three pointers. Uh, as good as Tominaga is on offense, he's a terrible defender. Right? Nebraska doesn't have <laughs> the best defense, and you know, I think we're going to see a lot more ball movement, a lot more crisp player movement. It's it's going to be a bounce back game, and and they need that right now too. So I, I, that's what I'm expecting. I think Coach Pike is on these guys heavy, and and these guys are are great. I mean, Paul's great, Caleb's great. They've been through this before. They, you know, they're they're going to be in the locker room. They're going to be in practice, making sure that, you know, everything is going the way Coach Pike's is envisioning it, and the way Coach Pike's is saying it, and they're going to echo that. And I, I'm 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 predicting a win for sure for Rutgers. Yeah, I agree. I think that Rutgers is the better team. I think Rutgers has a better roster, and I think Rutgers is now the agitated team in this whole dynamic. Um, which yeah. adds a little bit more fuel to the fire yeah. where, you know, you want to get right back into being at the top of this conference and and, and, and that conversation and having this be a historic year um, all in all. And you're you're hearing the noise and the chatter from a, a fan base that goes up and down. So control your own destiny, win the games that you're projected to um, and come out on top. And I think that's a really good transition over into the game right after that, um, which will be Rutgers versus Wisconsin at the Kohl Center um, in Madison. That's slated for February 18th, which is a Saturday. Early tip, man, 11 a.m. Those those are interesting, but yeah, um, you got a, a, 
<laughs> you got a, a Wisconsin Badgers group as 14 and 10 overall, six and eight in play, but can't count out, you know, a historical group that has a program built around, you know, excellence and, and sustainability, um, you know, despite the losses. So have you had a chance to check out Wisconsin at all this year? I have a little bit early in the year. Uh, I love Hepburn. He's one of he's one of my favorite players. I got a chance to meet him uh, this past year. Like I mean, obviously we met on the court before that, but got a chance to like you know talk to him off the court in Atlanta at the NIL Summit. And um, you know, just a good, confident dude. You know, he he told me off rip in Atlanta he was coming different this year. He's been you know he's been a little up and down this season, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just I like his confidence and I like his game. You know, is is uh is Tyler Wall back? Is he back now? That's a good question. I haven't truth gotta, be told had a gotta, chance to check in. Check that out, man, because um, he's, he's a problem. <laughs> he is a problem. <laughs> like he is hard to guard. You know, so so uh seeing seeing him, Hepburn, they got a really good freshman as well. Um, you know, so I, I like their team. I like their team and, and they're gonna play a certain t- style of basketball. The Wisconsin style of basketball is different than a lot of these other teams. It's it's going to be boring. Everyone's going to post up. No, seriously. Every single guy is going to post you up. It's it's going to be boring basketball. Wisconsin is a is a boring place to play. I always hated it. Like it's it's not like super loud. It's everyone's kind of sitting down and clapping. No one's like standing. It's mm-hmm. it's uh it's a strange environment. But um, you know, I, I think I think Rutgers has what it takes to win that game as well. Wisconsin's been like I said up and down this year and I like the way that we match up with them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I remember that that was a, a real big win last season. RU went into Madison, and and obviously they were a different team with NBA talent in the backcourt um, as well. So a little bit of a recalibration and a reinvention um, for uh, Wisconsin all in all. And, and it looks like uh, Tyler Wall is back. Is back. Um, he played freaking 40 minutes against Nebraska. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> 42 State, of the game before. My yeah, game. Penn State, he had – uh, 16 points, uh, six against Nebraska. So they did a really good job of keying in on him. So he's a he's a good player, man. He you, he you talk about angles, and yeah. you talk about not being the most athletic dude out on the court. Uh, he's a, a walking testament of that. So um, I think he that talks again, not, too. talk about a talker. He oh, I yeah. see that. Nah, yeah, I see gonna, that. <laughs> and although he might Paul, not be him the, and Paul gonna go at it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> although he might not be the you know the same Tyler Wall expected coming into the season, especially pre injury. Um, or, or at 100%, you got to treat him as a threat. Yeah. And um, you got to treat a Hepburn as a threat. And you got to treat any team that you're walking into their home court arena, you know, as, you know, you're going to get their best that they have for you. Um, yeah. And they're in the same mentality that you were talking about in Nebraska. They're not trying to lose to, to anybody Yeah, um, man. at the end of the day. Yep. And, and um, even after those last two losses for RU, still the number one team in defici- defensive efficiency, in the Big Ten and number two nationally at the end of the day. So defense isn't isn't the issue all in all. Obviously, there's some things that they can improve upon. And without Mawat Mag, they're they're still trying to find themselves and reinvent themselves. But I do think the offense is going to be crucial. So anything else that you had in regards to the scouting report before we transition over? No, I mean, I'm excited to watch these games. You know, I'm excited to see how they bounce back. That's always you know, that's always the toughest part. Like, that was always the hardest part for me, playing in the Big Ten. It was like, damn, you know, we, we had four-game losing streaks, five-game losing streaks. And it's like trying to figure out that way to get back in that mentality. Sometimes it's hard. It weighs on you. Like, you know, you start to feel like a loser. And that's just, the, that's just you know, the, the sad reality. So seeing these guys, you know, trying to find a way to bounce back. And, you know, and the, the cool part, too, is that I'm friends with all of them, too. So I get a chance to talk to some of them. I get a chance to talk to Caleb. Got a chance to talk to Mawat after the injury, like different stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited just to see, you know, how they how they bounce back and how they they take these losses and just turn them into lessons and and, and get Love to that. the next game. Yeah. Love that. That is uh, a, a skill and a trait for life, bro. Sure. Is is taking, you know, and learning. You don't ever lose. You just learn, bro. Yeah. At the end of the day, you don't ever uh, lose. You just learn. Yeah. Um, if I did, if I didn't just say that, my bad. Long long week thus far. Anyway, um, moving ahead uh, to our Word on Campus segment. And, and this is going to be a, a real interesting and, and interactive one. Um, and we're going to start to really bake into what the reality of what are you um, fans can expect for 
the the most exciting event in all of of, of sports, in my opinion, which is uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, Rutgers currently slated as a six seed, um, which would have them competing, um, according to uh, the great Mike DeCourcy, in the South bracket, um, slated against the College of Charleston in a six eleven game. Um, and, and everything is up in the air. Obviously, you've competed in the NCAA tournament. Um, what do you think about that? Obviously, looking ahead to some of the games on the slate for RU um, to be able to either improve these odds or, you know, put them in a, in a worse position. But you think that that's appropriate right now, considering how RU has played? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely appropriate if, you, if you're looking at how they've played up to this point. And... You know, you don't want to be a five seed, five twelve, five twelve. Never. <laughs> I feel like there's been too many times where that twelve seed somehow beats the five. So look, I'm happy with a six right now. That's good with me. I, I remember thinking about this too as a player. I'm like, damn, I don't ever want to be a five seed like the way mm-hmm. the way these twelve seeds be playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for them moving forward. You know, th- these these guys have been, been playing great. I think a six seed is is perfect where they're at, and it's you know a lot better than. You know, my, my teams ever did. So I'm excited for it. And I think everyone else should be too. I mean, you know, there's not really much else I could say about that for real. Last four in as it stands today North Carolina, which is nuts. Crazy. New Mexico, Kentucky, Boise State. Got a couple of blue buds, blue bloods there. So fan bases have talk you, about ups and downs, ebbs and flows. It's not just RU, it's everybody that have, deals have with you wins seen, and losses. Uh, you seen Kentucky play at all? I haven't had a chance to really to yeah. circle in on them. What you think yeah. of them? I mean, I mean, it's same, you know, same. A lot old of thing. talent, obviously. They're a lot of talent, but you know, they're going through, you know, what, what most teams go through, and it's just about how you navigate it. And you know, they they lost. Um, I'm not blanking on his name right now. The dude that transferred from Iowa. Uh, damn, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, but they lost a, a key shooter for them. And and that like really hurt their offense because he just did a great job of spacing the floor. CJ Frederick, I don't know why I was spacing, mm-hmm. I was spacing on his name, but they lost Frederick for a little bit, and that really hurt their offense in in terms of just spacing. You know, especially with a guy like Shigway. You know, if you don't got Frederick on the same side as him, it's like okay, well now we can just go double. But obviously mm-hmm. with Frederick there, you can just kick it back out. And you got to open three. So a lot of things changed for them, and you know he's back now, but just. Still a lot of ups and downs. You know, the team's still trying to figure themselves out, and that's never a recipe for success in February. Like, you got to have – you got to know who you are, who you're going to, what your team is all about by this time of the year, and they just haven't really figured that out yet. So those were the first four out um, – or last four in. First four, four out. Right. Texas A&M, Oregon, Arizona, and for a little bit of dramatic effect here, Wisconsin. So – you got a team that's right there chomping at the bit next Saturday for RU. We didn't really discuss that desperation. You think that that's in the back of their mind in regards yeah. to them trying to control their own destiny too? Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, if if, if I'm Wisconsin and I see that we're potentially – like we're on a bubble right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we need every win we could get. RU has been here before on the right. bubble. Last season, your last yeah. year. Right. They literally came down to the last extra effort to kind of really solidify that you guys were in. Right. What, what what is that like in a locker room? Man, I mean, it's you're just thinking like, look, we need every game is we need to win. Like that's just that's just the mindset. Like there's there is no possible way that we can lose this game. Like that is, and when you when every guy truly has that mindset. You find a way to win. You do, mm-hmm. really do. And and we've been in that situation, you know, multiple times where we didn't handle our business early in the year and we kinda had our backs against the wall and it was like, Okay, it's it's either we win or or we're not gonna make the NSA tournament. Like and that is the reality. And here's the stats and here are the people who are saying that if they do not win this game, they are not gonna make the NSA tournament. It's like, okay, well then what are we gonna do? And I'm sure Wisconsin is probably saying the same thing. It's like, okay, this is where we're at right now. We're on the outside looking in, but we're right there this is what we need to do. <laughs> and Rutgers is one of those teams where I think it's probably going to be a quad one game for them. It's okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big resume booster. How do we find a way to, to beat this Rutgers team? And that's the reality of the situation that, you know, a lot of these teams mid February, you know, early March are, are starting to face where it's like, you know, it's big urgency time right now. Backs against the wall. We got to figure out a way to get this game. It is. It's, it's uh 
don't say hello when it's time to say goodbye, bro. It's like ultimately that point in the season where you should have took care of your business and you start to try to get your act in order um, too late in the year. Um, You know, sometimes you get left on the outside of things, looking in, wishing that you did things in retrospect, you know, when you had the the power and control to kind of dictate your own destiny. Next four after that. It's an awful position to be in. (laughs) It's it's terrible. It's a terrible position to be in. To go play in the NIT after all, uh, you know, bless, sweat, and tears. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, Next four out after that. At least I, at least we never got in that in that position, at least. We figured I it know. out. I <laughs> know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You've always been invited uh throughout your career to to the big ten to, to the big dance. Um next four out right after that, Missis, Mississippi State, Wake Forest, Seton Hall. Obviously, wanna see as many teams from Jersey make it, but um mm. if they don't make it, so sad. And then Michigan, uh <laughs> ultimately too, and that's another team that's on the horizon for RU and then another conference breakdown um supposed to be a down year for the Big Ten all in all I'm hearing all the noise about you know this is a weak year for the conference and retro and, and relatively speaking when you're talking about how many teams typically make it from the Big Ten on average over the last couple of years it's been as high as what 12 to I don't know however however many teams that actually are able to, to get in but yeah. this year Big Ten slated to get eight Big 12 slated to get eight, ACC seven, SEC six, Big East five, Mountain West four, and then so on and so forth at the end of the year. think eight is shooting too low. Big 10 has the ability to get a couple other teams in, or do you just think that there's too much parity and teams beating up on one, on one another in February where that is a, an appropriate you know stat to expect from this conference in regards to having eight teams make the NCAA tournament? I mean, so first off, I'm, I'll never claim to be a bracketologist. So that's, nor nor that's, am I. Yeah, right. That's that's probably the first thing that I'm. Just I don't know how these there. dudes be doing it. So many I'm numbers. Just I'm just gonna give my opinion and kind of move on. You know? <laughs> but no, I think eight is a good. <laughs> I think eight is a good number, bro. Like, you know, you, you think about, you know, everything nationally. I mean, when is the last time we've seen you know eleven teams, ten teams? It just it just doesn't really happen. So you know, I, I see eight being a good number. That's usually where the Big Ten is at, right around that seven, eight, you know, number of teams that get in. And you know, it, with even with the parity going on, it's like that back against the wall mindset. That's usually where that little bit of space gets created. And then there is a team that's you know, a couple games under five hundred. There is a team that's right on, at five hundred, and the other ones kind of separated themselves a little bit. So I think I think we're going to see that too, uh, you know, these next couple couple weeks. We're going to be exciting, nonetheless, um, and I think that's a really good opportunity to pivot away from what is now, what's on the horizon for this exact team, to another topic that I know we have been really um, keen on on kind of bringing and incorporating into the pod at a place where we're being respectful and sensitive to obviously. Um, what the, the program is doing. These are just our opinions and our way of kind of playing tennis and going back and forth about the recruiting activity around um, the Rutgers basketball program and just the Big Ten all in all. And coming from a perspective where um, RU for many years wasn't, you know, at the forefront and was slated to be at the bottom of the Big Ten conference. And now there's been a resurgence over the last five, six years, seven years, as Steve Peichel really gets ramped up into the program. And now they're in contention for five and four-star players consistently. And, and you know, we could talk about the guys who have already signed their letters of intent to come, the Gavin Griffiths of the world, and, you know, at a high level, some of the guys who've been committed. Um, But how how does it feel as, you know, somebody, and I'll speak about it as a former, you know, a former player too, um, to see that now RU's being mentioned with the likes of Duke and Kentucky with, you know, some of these players that are really heavily considered going to compete for four years or however many years that they end up playing in Piscataway, New Jersey at Jersey Mike's Arena. Man, it's crazy. I mean, number one, just like thinking back to where we were at, like where we were just at a couple of years ago, it's beautiful to see that, you know, Coach Peichel's vision just coming to fruition. You know, he he's said this from the start that Rutgers was not going to be the doormat and that Rutgers was going to excel in the Big Ten and, and you know, Rutgers was going to be great. And he's done it already without 
you know, a ton of five stars without any four stars. You know, you know, he's he's already started that, and people are taking notice. Players are taking notice. Guys in New Jersey are taking notice, and it's beautiful to see. I think he's done a great job of just getting a good coaching staff around him, who, you know, is not not only great coaches but great recruiters as well, and and great people. They have like you know, the coaching staff, B Knight, TJ, Elite. Coach Hobbs. Like these are. Elite. Elite. personable guys man who have mm-hmm. done it too like it's not like you're just hearing from some random guy who's like yeah i'm a college coach it's like no look up my stats too like be night could hoop like coach hobbs could hoop and he's done it at a, he's he's coached at every level yeah. big east player TJ of the year conversation and, yeah like you know all american like, conversation yeah, carl hobbs that, is one national chips tj went from worst to first at g like, dub crazy like, these like, dudes are hoops savants as a player like especially as a guard I'm talking to these dudes and, and like you talk to coaches, you're going to look them up. You're going to Google them a little bit. And it's like, damn, I'm talking to this dude. Like he, he could go. <laughs> like It's like, all right, you think I'm good too? Like, and you're telling me this stuff. So it is, it, it feels good hearing from a guy like that, like, like a TJ, like a B Knight, like a coach Hobbs, coach Pikeel as well. Obviously he played too. And, you know, hearing from these dudes and, and especially as a guard and, you know, knowing that what they, they did, what they did. And then you're seeing the results now too. So it's now it's not just words, but shit, look what we're doing already at Rutgers. And, and we don't even have the, the quote unquote talent that, that you, that you have, right. You're going to be able to bring something even new to the table. Imagine what we could do when you get here and guys are, are believing that and they're seeing that. And then on top of that, the guys that they've already brought in the players, I mean, they just show love, like, I'd always make sure whenever we had a recruit coming in, like I'm gonna make sure to take care of him. I'm gonna make sure that, you know, this guy's having a great time. It wasn't no, it wasn't no Tyler Hansborough, John Wall situation going on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where like Tyler Hansborough was like, nah, I don't, I don't talk to recruits. Like, that's not. I'm not all American. Get out of my face. Young yeah, boy. like it wasn't yeah. that type of situation going yeah. on. And Ron was the same way, right? Ron was gonna, you know, be personal with every dude. We're gonna make sure to take him out. We're gonna make sure like whatever you want to do, like we're gonna try our best to do it, so you can see what it's about, like what what the family's about. And I think that. The guys are still doing that now to this day. I mean, when when Ace Bailey committed in that locker room, we all saw the video. We all saw the video so of dope. him. Not only was Pike jumping around, but you saw Caleb McConnell, who is not going to be his teammate, hugging him and, and rubbing his head and like happy for him. And it's like, that's the type of environment, that's the type of culture that's been created at Rutgers. And, and he talked about guys it. are seeing it now. He talked about it pre before this season. He coined it and termed it as the knighthood. Yeah. Um, and drawing that bridge between previous generations of Rutgers basketball guys who didn't even play for Steve Peichel. And, and yeah. before he was solidified as his coach, and obviously he's the coach that's going to be here for however long he wants to be, there's been a tremendous amount of attrition. Uh, I played for two different coaches. I know guys that, you know, you, you come to RU, you commit for one coach, and then you got to complete complete your career under a, a brand new regime and re- envision that you didn't even – essentially deal with during the recruiting process. And that was the norm. And he's reaching back out to those guys. And we had some of those individuals on this pod and Quincy Doobie who played for Gary Walters, Hamaday who who played with me at, at uh, under Freddie Hill. And then I played for, for Mike Rice and that whole debacle. And, and that was the norm. Yeah. Now you have these guys who not only are they coming in and they're doing it the right way, they're basketball savants. And, yeah. and I've, I've had like a, uh, I will call it or equate it to, like a graduate school experience of being able to sit in on their film sessions and learn basketball the right way, the winning yeah. way, um, and, and see exactly, you know, not only are they good recruiters, good people, good family dudes off the court, but they know how to hoop and they know how to teach the game. Yeah. Um, and there's a reason that the, the product has been so good over the last couple of seasons from a defensive perspective is the tutelage. You're, you're learning from championship pedigree, guys who yeah. have won at the highest levels at the end of the day. And I think recruits are definitely starting to take notice of that. Yeah, man. I mean, it's great to see. I think it's it's only going to continue to go up too. Like, just it's the overall feel of the, of the program and you know where these guys are going, the way they've been playing. I'm excited for it. Like the fu- the future is bright right now for Rutgers basketball, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Agreed, man. I think uh, we went through a lot of really good stuff here. Um, big week. I think we can agree on that yep. for RU. Yep. Um, bounce back for sure. Um, but they got they got the dudes to be able to do it. Definitely miss Watt Mag and his influence. But this is a time where this team's going to have to rally around that injury and figure out ways to continue to win despite, you know, losing a lot of produ- productivity in a bunch of different ways. Um, but 
winnable games against Nebraska and Wisconsin. I think they'll go 2-0 this week. Um, and maybe we can do a little bit of collab action with um, the Wisconsin pod team uh, before or after that game, uh, Jordan and his crew they talk a lot of they talk a lot of shit so we, we yeah. can see exactly who comes out on top after that after that game yeah for sure man that'd be fun i love love the trash talking too so i would enjoy that uh, absolutely bro but good episode man uh looking forward to having you guys join us um after these next two games uh on the next episode of the are you listening podcast brought to you by new amendment appreciate you guys tuning in uh, have a great week and, and go birds in the super bowl Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.